Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. It is the podcast of the Gap Smacked and Pompous. Hey, Pompous is here. How are you? Whatever. You know I'm fine. Don't ask me. That make me less fine. I don't know why I put up with this guy sometimes because you're my puppet. All right. So we're going to talk to Love Moko, who is from Finland. How pretty cool is that? Pretty cool. What's wrong with your English, bitch? Sorry, Pompous. It's better. Alrighty, we're going to talk to Love Moko. It's going to be some fun. We're going to talk about street epistemology. She's a very polite, lovely, strong, articulate young lady from the land of Finland. So, let us begin this podcast so we can quickly finish. Oh, oh. Yeah. You lose against me. Ladies and gentlemen, we're live on our podcast and we're live on YouTube on Love Moko's channel, which we're going to announce soon. And Boss Briggs is going to school. I'm about to join. Have I read these terms? The answer is click yes, which as an autist, I hate to say because I didn't read it. That really annoys me. Super Curious is Love Moko's name. And here we are on our podcast, which will be available at an autist and also at Real Instagram, Real Instagram, at Real Gabsmack on Instagram. And hello, periscope.tv and autist. You can see it there. And let us join the meeting. Joining right about now. Love Moko, get online. Hoo Hello. There she is. Just when you thought we were finished, we just started here with Love Moko. Hello. Hey, awesome <laughs> to see you. Hey. <laughs> Alrighty. Are you live already? I am live. I've been live for a little while. So you can hear some humor that we were talking about. <laughs> and True Faith says, okay. welcome to you. And it's an honor to have, well, to be on your professional podcast. Oh, I don't know if it's that professional. <laughs> this well. is all for fun. Or, um, I guess the vocation, I just learned that word. It means that you do something passionately and kind of like a job, but you don't get paid. I guess it's the modern day amateur. Yeah. I love that. You know, I always wanted to ask you, your accent sounds unbelievably Australian. Is that because you were born here? Um, I grew up in Oz. Ah, there we so, go. So, um, my family decided to move to Sydney in 1980. Cool. At the time I was three years old. Yep. And then we lived there for five and a half years, came back in 85. Okay. And it only took like a year or something and I started sounding really American. Like my cousin called me from Oz and she was like, oh my gosh, Linda, you sound so American. You've got to do something about that. And I got really worried. And so since then I've just been um, a tad more mindful yeah. and tried to hold on to the accent because I love it. I mean, Damn straight. And I kind of feel like, <laughs> kind of feel like an Oz still, even though it was a long time ago. Well, uh, what uh, someone asked, what what brought you to Finland? I'm guessing it's that gorgeous husband of yours. Oh no, it's my family. They dragged me kicking and screaming. Ah, oh, that was because you were here for five <laughs> and a half much. years, and they dragged you back to Finland. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Why did I miss that? Yeah. Ah, oh, well, here you are, back in Australia <laughs> for the next hour or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Whereabouts in? Um, do you live in Sydney, by the way? I do. 
Um, fun guy says the accent sounds great on you. There you go, you've got some fans. I live in Sydney in Sutherland. Sutherland? Yeah. I don't know that. I have to look it up. Yeah, it's the land of the south. Um, we had some riots here once in Cronulla, and our saying is Sydney's fun, but Cronulla's a riot. That's our, that's our, that's our play on words oh, for the day. Hor horribly funny. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to How learn are you about... today, by the way? I haven't... Oh, today? Yeah, I'm great. I've been working on the thesis, and I'm pedaling as we speak now, which is why my camera's shaking a bit, because I'm on my exercise bike talking yep. to you. Oh, cool. Multi-tasking. Yeah, that's right. They want you to say the dingo's got my baby. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it like Meryl. Nobody can do it like Meryl. Cell block number dingo's nine. Dingo's got my baby. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's pretty awesome. You can take the girl out of Australia. Oh, yeah, I can... Can't take Australia out of the girl. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the truth? We made a bit of a joke before you got online because you said, oh, sorry, I was late. My husband came home and, I, and we said, hey, hey, hey. That's true love right there. <laughs> oh, that was it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right, I'm going to shut up now. So now we're talking about street epistemology, everybody, and uh, I'm excited. Let's learn. Oh, cool. Right. So street epistemology is... Um, this tool as far as I know I started this is like my hobby and I started doing it um, like for reals since um, October like studying it and trying to learn about it and what it is um, and I started doing that in October because I um, watched some videos or I came across some videos on YouTube um, that this guy Anthony Magnusco had done um, where he was just talking, chatting, like really nicely, really friendly to people about their deeply held beliefs. Um, and some of it was like about karma or that they are convinced that their um, dead relative is um, a cardinal, like a bird in the trees and visiting them. Okay. Other stuff was, uh, uh, of course, God came up and, and um, all kinds of like deeply held beliefs. Um, and I just thought it was amazing how he could um, have these conversations and, and throughout the whole thing, people were like happy, it was respectful, it was not um, combative in, in any way. And um, the best part was that I thought the people he was interacting with were thinking about it um, from a maybe new perspective, like thinking about it in the moment, as in, why do I believe this and do I have good reason to believe whatever it is I believe? Okay, so is he actually uh, asking people to question why they believe in metaphysical, unfalsifiable arguments, or is he actually supportive of that? I miss I miss that part. Um, he's questioning, so it's okay. basically kind of like the Socratic method with um, some new stuff to it. But the idea is to facilitate a. Um, uh, an opportunity to reflect on deeply held beliefs in a way that one might not um, have done before. Okay. <laughs> because we, we take so many things as like obviously true or maybe we just haven't questioned stuff. Because I was really impressed just by 
because I've always been interested in how we know what we know and how some people can have such um, widely different ideas about reality from yep. other people, um, how they seem to be culturally um, influenced as well. I've found all these things to be really interesting. And I've also found that it's been really difficult to talk about it, that people are quite defensive of their beliefs and um, almost identify with some of their beliefs. And um, my objective has never been to um, attack anybody's um, sense of self or their identity. Mm-hmm. My wish has always been to just um, discuss it in a um, respectful and fun way. And it's always been a bit curious to me as to why is that so difficult. And um, through street epistemology, I'm finding that there is a way. Like I've w- witnessed it, and now that I'm studying it, I'm learning to do it myself. That's awesome. Um, uh, what's his name? Dennis R. Hands, first of all, said no episting on the street which I'm assuming is some is, is an intelligent but sort of lowbrow joke. <laughs> That's my kind of humor. And uh, he also asked, what weird belief do you have? So I would phrase it what? as, what beliefs do you have that you would love to discuss that perhaps maybe other people were unable to handle in the past without this newfound ability? Well, you see, the whole thing with street epistemology is that we look at, um, so if somebody comes and does street epistemology on me, we will examine um, what I believe and why. Yep. And, um, yep. Uh, and I don't do street epistemology because I'm that interested in doing that, like with street epistemology, because I can't do it on myself. Yep. Although since I've learned this method, um, or it's, it's method, it's a tool. I've had other people do street epistemology on me, and it is really, really fun. Um, my beliefs, just to answer the question, because I don't want to evade the question, uh, I guess I've come pretty close to that I don't really, like, I know I can't know. <laughs> like, that's something that I can actually test and verify. Yep. Um, so there, there are more things that I don't really know um than what i could be certain about yep um so when it comes to beliefs i try to gauge my um certainty about um any phenomenon anything in life according to the um available evidence and my understanding of it uh, also would have to be (laughs) taken into account yeah yeah um yep so about beliefs i guess my beliefs are also um changing when when I learn new stuff about the world. Yep. Um, the beliefs that I like to investigate with other people uh, is whatever it is they believe. Um, uh, I guess the, the conversations I find most um, kind of mm-hmm. thrilling to myself are those where people um, at the beginning are very certain about something and then they've just slightly opened that mind and go like, well, maybe I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> Like that to me is a good talk yep. and it can be about any, but of course, if it's, if they are beliefs that have, um, um, inform how people live their lives and maybe how they want to restrict other people's lives, those are the beliefs that I would uh, think are critical to have a look at, to see that we have good reasons to believe that they are true. If we indeed believe they are true. Yeah. That's like a, 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 a sort of a modern day version of skepticism. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it is, um, uh, it's all about critical thinking. It does have the Socratic method um, in it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. Ooh. Uh, so, have you ever found anyone you've come across as too intolerant to participate in street epistemology um, yet? Or getting way too defensive where the conversation can't continue? The short answer to that is no, I haven't come across that yet. But it is always an invitation. Um, yeah. um, um, I always invite people to have these conversations with me. Also, um, I do some street epistemology-ish type questioning when I periscope, um, and then I don't necessarily start by saying, would you like to do some street epistemology with me? But I will... Um, <laughs> yeah, it just organically I, happens sometimes. I will re- re- yeah, I will um, check that is it okay that I'm asking these many questions like are you okay with me questioning and if the person responds that uh yeah get off it but also i mean if i'm doing this with somebody who is um periscoping they can always just ignore my questions which um has happened (laughs) but um (laughs) mostly um street epistemology is fun and um uh, people who come and do do have conversations with me in my kitchen on my YouTube channel. They are always invited and they like to come back. Um, and yeah, it's fun. I mean, I wasn't even really sure about that. Like, it's fun to watch, it's fun to learn. I think it's fun to do. I wasn't sure if it was fun to be kind of SE'd as I'm, you know, within yeah. quotations. But yeah. then I had a, a study friend, a guy who does uh, street epistemology, he SE'd me, mm-hmm. and it was so much fun because it helps me to reflect on what I, what it is I think and how I express myself. Yes, yeah, Am yeah. I expressing myself adequ- adequately enough that the yeah. other person is understanding what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that's also like a central point in street epistemology is that the idea is for me to understand what the other person is saying, in fact. Yep. So there's no point in me questioning somebody uh, about something that they believe if I don't understand what it is they are, in fact, believing. Yes, yes. So it's sort of self-aware in two parts, I notice. One is that it's it's aware that your belief is an assumption and it's, and it's conscious of that. And the other one is that it does not automatically assume that one understands the meaning and intent behind what someone else actually says to them. Um, which, sure, which, yeah. Yeah, I love absolutely. that. Um, there was there some... Also, qu- yeah, sorry, keep going, keep going, please. Oh, no. Yeah, and, and that kind of, um, what would be the right word? That leads to um, me when I'm like, when I feel like I'm in good street epistemology, when um, I'm getting to somewhere with somebody, it is that I'm a good listener, mm-hmm. that I am listening intentively, thoroughly to understand what the other person is saying. I'm relaying it back to them so they can hear what they said themselves, they can correct it if they think it wasn't what they uh, were meaning to say. Um, so it's a really gentle way of opening up our um, beliefs, thoughts, opinions. We're not um, being combative in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I'm kind of like one-way street. Basically, it's the exact <laughs> opposite time, of. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like you've opened a highway, and uh, it, you know, it, it's it's not it's not that you're trying to drive through a brick wall, and or someone's trying to shoot you down before you arrive. That's uh, yeah, basically how how the only way humanity is going to survive, pretty much, <laughs> based upon what you're saying. Um, someone asked here, uh, Alan G uh, says you're a good facilitator, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, and uh, cool. what is your scope 
uh, name is it, is it Love Moco? It's Love Moco. Yes. L O V E M O K K U. There you go. My name's Linda. Linda Love Moco. I believe on YouTube you're called Super Curious. Yes. I love that name. Um, Oz Osgly. Oh, I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. Please go ahead. There it is, everyone. As you can see it, it's right there. Super curious. I've got a huge lag on my. Yeah, there's a giant. Keeps freezing. Yeah, welcome to welcome to Sydney. This is where our national broadband is quite restricted. Once we get out of the continent, we've got massive superhighway internet inside Australia. But as soon as you reach the border to go international, it, um, it's it's choked off. So it's uh, oh really? Yeah. So it looks like we're. I have no idea how that works, but I'm assuming that's more of a government thing, where they physically have to upgrade, oh. uh, you know, between countries or outside of our country. However, that works. That was that was as of a couple of years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't changed that much. Uh, Dennis R. Hands want to know, and Osley asked a question too. Osley asked, "Why do we accept what we can't know?" That sounds to me the opposite of what you do, actually. Yeah, but that's a good that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that I would ever ask the question like uh, double that K, to, Alan. to somebody like this, and they have to be of the opinion that. Um, or of the belief. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, but that is the question. Like, and um, and what I do as a street epistemologist is that I um, try to focus on when we've uh, 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 uncovered the belief, yep. like what it is, and, and I've understood what it is they believe, mm -hmm. and we look uh, at the reasons why, like how they've come to this belief. Uh, and then after that, we examine um, how, like, what's the epistemology? How did they come to believe that this is true, if they indeed believe it's true? Yep. Um, and to de determine the, the certainty of the belief, we also use, like, an arbitrary scale between zero and 100 to just to communicate to myself um, how sure they are that this is true. Um, so zero is, like, I've... Or not sure at all and 100 would be I'm absolutely certain like I cannot be wrong and yeah. so on and so forth and yeah. then we look at the yeah we try and figure out like how did they become so sure what was the epistemology did they um, read a book did they look at evidence did they throw a mm -hmm. dice to conclude that this was true <laughs> um, throw a dice I love that and then we just uh, examine if yeah if that's a good reason to be and could we be mistaken about our belief? Um, and uh, yeah, how would we know if we were wrong? And that's where falsifiability comes in. Yes. A falsifiable belief. Falsifiability. And if it isn't a falsifiable belief, is is high level of confidence than an um, accurate place to be. Yes. Um, well, I'm an extreme but, skeptic in that nature. They, we were just talking about this just before you came on. About yeah, someone said to me, "Do you yeah. do you have do you actually believe strongly in anything?" <laughs> and I thought I uh, I'm going to talk about that afterwards because in abstract mathematics you work on falsifiability. Um, but I wanted to ask you on that point: Would you mind explaining to our listeners what uh, falsifiability is for anyone who may not know? Oh, that's a great challenge because I'm. Um... This stuff is really new to me, yeah. and um, I think I've heard falsifiability um, 
Like, I can't remember when I heard it the first time. Yep. I think I've always thought I understood what it means. But now that I need to kind of really understand um, also how to figure out if I'm, um, if I'm making a claim, uh, falsifiability basically means is it testable? Is there yeah. a way for me to um, identify... Um, if I'm wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that's dead on. 100%. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I find challenging is, yeah, if you make a claim, then I would have to then, how do I, how do I um, figure out the test for it? So I do think it's kind of a, a challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, no matter what the claim is or whatever the belief is, uh, there is a challenge to uh, figure out uh, how to test it. But I think that's the great challenge and that's a good mm -hmm. um, exercise for anybody with anything that it is that we hold as true. Yeah, Can absolutely. we identify if we are wrong? Can we identify if we are wrong? Exactly. And, and if we can't identify if we are wrong, then, then what's the solution in that case when you have someone who still believes in what they believe? Um, then just, I think, this is just like now my opinion, can be wrong, yep. uh, that just to help aware that that in fact is then just a belief like an opinion it's closer to a guess yeah um and to just be aware of that and maybe not you know um send it to the death <laughs> yeah. maybe um investigate a bit more to see if um to see what it is we in fact believe about I don't know what do you say to that now, I, I would say feel like I'm on, on, on shaky ground I would say no that's that's actually quite beautiful but I would say that there's an assumption in there which is that humans are rational actors and my my concern right. and someone else said the same thing I think it was Osley uh, that uh, so, some people's beliefs are by definition uh, irrational um, and sometimes that can be the same thing as metaphysical and so the idea of falsification would just not be an option and that comes not just necessarily religious belief but it could be a politically held belief or a conspiracy theory and I've seen people on my periscope come on and just have these beliefs that you just can't shake uh, and my fear I guess is that if you're dealing with someone like that your idea which to me is exactly how we could behave ideally seems to break down that scares me mm. but i think it, it breaks down because um uh, we then are talking about like i said opinions guesses yeah um we might be like using emotion um you know, it's, it's, oh, I just think it's good then to identify that that is something that we need to hold on. There's a word for it probably. Like, like maybe not be so sure about it. Um, is there a way we can, like, keep an open mind on that issue um, because yeah. it's untestable? Well, see, I don't know. The, you, the way you speak is what I would consider completely normal, but I've come to learn that it's actually not very rational at all. In fact, just as you were saying that, some lovely person came on and wrote in capitals that Jesus is all truth. I think he was quoting John 3.10 about I'm the way, truth, and the life. And I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's proof right there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And my question would be, how do we know that? 
How do we know that? How does this individual know that that... Yeah, you can't shake my belief. Yeah, true face is the same thing. You can't shake my belief. You know, there was once a a person I was seeing sitting with Peter Hitchens, the brother of Christopher Hitchens, and Peter Hitchens is is the Christian, and Christopher Hitchens is not. Um, (laughs) Jesus saves, Moses invests. Someone said that was funny. Um, And he said, he actually said this. He said, how can non-believers look around and not see that God made this? And that is an unfalsifiable argument, exactly what you've described. And and I guess my my question, and Luan asked a similar question. He said, "Had you have you had a conversation where someone's perception has changed?" My question would be slightly different to that. My question would be, you know, could you have a conversation where someone like that has a perception that could be changed? <laughs> well, I think it could be possible, but it, of course, it depends on the the uh, person's willingness yeah. to, in fact, change their minds. Mm-hmm. If, if a person feels that they have the truth yeah. and there's no evidence that could come in, there's no new news that they could get yeah. um, that would alter their, um, uh, um, change their mind, uh, then of course we're stuck. But um, I think the whole point of street epistemology is to... Um, introduce the idea that well if we got new evidence if there was is there anything that could get you to um look at that uh belief what you hold to be absolutely true uh is there anything that could nudge it is there like do you really think you know it all <laughs> i guess <laughs> is what we're getting to although i wouldn't ask it like that of course. yeah 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 um, you are a if gem people do that skillful, skillfully enough um, then maybe people would be willing to have a look at that um, has it happened in my conversations I've been I started practicing this kind of like in hard mode talking to apologists um, Christian yeah. apologists um, uh, I'm not convinced that I've changed anybody's mind that hasn't really been my um, goal either it is actually to talk to somebody who has um, a vastly um, concluded idea about reality that I fail to see the way they do and see if we can have a constructive conversation on the topic Um, I think maybe people watching our conversations might then think of it at home and go like yeah like yeah, yeah, I don't know if I would have answered like that, and and I think maybe the honest answer would have been to some of the questions would have been that I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a win. So I'm not always just trying to change people's minds. I would like to facilitate good conversation and uh, give people a place to think about what it is they believe, maybe from a new angle, in a new way. I just think that's really healthy. I can, I, I, un- the problem with talking with someone like Love Moko is that we actually agree, and that always makes it hard because I, I don't even know what the challenge are on. Um, but other people are doing a great job. Someone asked, how about people who have died and returned? Well, firstly, no one has come back from brain death. They've come back from body death, uh, but not brain death as far as we know, except for unverified stuff. And even if that were true, it does not prove that Jesus was born of a virgin and that has anything to do with you living after death. Uh, next question. Oh, Chris said that Leonardo DiCaprio made a movie about that. Let us know the movie tweeted to an artist, Chris. Um, and there were two more questions for you. Man, you, I've never had this many questions for 
for someone I'm talking to. Uh, do you believe in free will? From Dennis Hands, ask that question. Oh, cool. Thanks, Dennis. I knew you would come with the really good ones. Um, I have to say, I don't know. And that's my true and honest answer at this point. Um, I actually have been slightly obsessed with this YouTuber called Cosmic Skeptic, and he did a really nice um, argument against uh, free will that I've watched several times because I honestly really don't get it. Um, I think I... uh, I have a sensation that I'm kind of making uh, choices and stuff, but I also realize that um, um, that those choices come from a long line of um, like reasons yeah. that I am not in control of. Yeah. Um, like where I was born, um, what my genetic makeup is, for my brain to be in a certain way and all that. And then it, I think ultimately for me, the biggest problem is, is what is the I that would have the will to be free? Yep. Um, I don't know is my short answer to that. I, mean, I think it's really fascinating. I think it's quite interesting. Like, how could I even have this um, experience that I think that I'm choosing? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like really interesting when yeah. you start thinking about it. Yeah. It's an interesting question. It's awesome. According to neurologists, apparently, which I heard from Dr. Sam Harris, um, is that consciousness is not localized to one specific point in the brain. I don't know if you've heard the same thing or yeah. not. Yeah, I've heard... heard um, Similar stuff, and then also that uh, that uh, apparently when we get the sensation that we're making the choice or making that having that will, that it actually that sensation happens slightly after something in the brain happens that would indicate that we have actually made the choice. Yes, that's right. Where it happens before we're consciously aware of it. Yeah. Um, now. thinking I'm going to do that at that point, but something did it slightly before. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it gets really complicated and interesting. Yeah, someone said, uh, someone's arguing about someone being dead for 15 minutes. Um, not brain dead. I've, I've never heard of anyone being brain dead, but I'm always open to that. If, uh, if, you, if there's evidence of someone actually being brain dead with the spike being able to be reignited, definitely tweet it forth to an artist and I'll copy Love Moco. You can tweet it to Love Moco as well on Twitter. Um, L-O-V-E-M-O-K-K-O. That's right, isn't it? At Love Moco? At Love Moco, yes. Ah, awesome. Uh, justify what they believe. I don't know what uh, Christopher, uh, Chris in Washington talks about atheists believing. I don't know what atheists particularly believe. Uh, e- each individual atheist may or may not have a belief and not, may, and not even be aware that they do have a belief or that their opinion is a belief. Um, so I don't think it's a uniform I think to discuss uh, on, but you, but it's a good point. Um, what else? Uh, Liran asked, uh, where is he? Um, is reality in any way knowable, or are we just are our lives just making a leap, basically in the dark? Leap in the dark. Well, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's also really interesting. Um, I always have to do it because I think it's the honest, intellectually honest place to be is that I really don't know. But um, what I do find interesting is that there seems to be things that we can agree upon, um, like 
and like through the scientific me method, it does seem that we do get reliable results that we can do over and over again that tell us something about this um, world that we're living in. Um, now, of course, we're taking in all of that data through our senses, and um, uh, I know I can go like a bit off um, with those, and they can be misleading and all that. Uh, but that's why I think the scientific method is so great because um, we need to do that in group. We need to have like. Um, like peer review other people doing these experiments yep. um, in order to see if we um, in fact are getting the same results yep. it's kind of like a team effort mm -hmm. to do um, to investigate the world um, reality I think is kind of like a complicated loaded word I would rather talk about um, just the world what is um, I kind of I that's what I would have to assume that there is something that uh, I'm living in <laughs> Um, but I think I also have like a mental reality that is different from other people's because, you know, my thoughts get in there and they muddle stuff up. Um, but I think there's a difference between perception and um, uh, that can be different for other people. But yep. I am of the opinion that there is one uh, physical reality that we share. Ah, well, finally, finally, we found a point where we disagree. Awesome. You heard it oh, here, guys. <laughs> My friend Linda and I finally disagree on something. Um, uh, Osley had a good question, and I so wanted to ask this before. Uh, does it stress you knowing that you can't know certain things? No, not really. Yeah. And I think that's also interesting because through doing SE, I found that that can be a stressful point for um, yes. my fellow humans. Yes, um, absolutely. So I'm looking into why, why that is um, yep. in order to be more empathetic towards it. But for me, I actually find it quite... Um, uh, it uh, feels honest to say that I don't know yep. what I don't know. I, I feel rather... Um, I, get, I tense up when I notice that I'm talking about stuff that I've, you know, I feel like I'm kind of making it up. That's that gives me more stress. Yep. Than admitting I don't know because, and also the I don't know um, continues the investigation. I remember seeing uh, Bill Nye once, and I'm, my opinion of him is, you know, 50%. He's lovely and he's got his flaws. But he he was talking to, I think his name was Ken Ham or Kevin Ham, this Australian guy in America who yeah. leads some Christian thing. And he once, there was a couple of questions where they asked him and he said, I don't know. And Mr. Ham said, uh -huh. well, I do know and it's in this book. And I just thought to myself, uh, exactly what you're saying, that some people, number one, feel the need to know, and number two, they feel that what counts as proof is one particular revelatory method via a particular book. And it's, I don't know what, I don't know if you think that that's something that can be changed, whether they have the free will to even consider what you're saying, whether that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. When you bring free will into that, it does get really, really interesting. Yeah. Like, I've been thinking about, like, how, what it is that I'm actually trying to do here if we're all kind of, like, just grooving on and can't really affect it all too much. Um, but is that the consequence? I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, to answer your question, I think that... Um, I think that once Ken Ham 
for example, if he would get sufficient evidence to rock his um, arc, so to speak, yeah. I think he would change his mind. Um, but of course, that's because that's how I think. I think it's, yeah. um, so you're, you, you, it seems to me that... Is when, when you, yeah, sorry, when sorry. you say yeah. you know for sure and absolutely, that's when you stop learning. That's when you're saying that there's no, nothing more to know. Yeah. Um, I just think, given how ignorant we are and continuous, t- continuously prove ourselves to be, that that's, I don't understand how people get to that point where they go, this is it, I've got it. There's nothing more to this story. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and uh, Chris, Chris just brought up something in sync of what you're saying, or, or half along the lines of what you're saying. Um, he said that for some people who believe in, in that particular book, it's as solid to them as mathematics is to me. And I wanted to say that actually science is, the, the idea of science is that you can always be proven wrong with anything that you're learning. And it's, and it's, you know, it's not possible that it's to be complete, but that itself is an assumption. Mm. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really, really, really <laughs> convincing. And, I, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what was I thinking? Isn't also math? Could, could you ask them? this to me, Gab, isn't oh, yeah. math more like, like with the comparison of the book and math, isn't yeah. math more like the language with which we, the tool, like science is also a tool, it's not a, um, a set body of knowledge or a set um, dogmatic idea that science is a tool. That's exactly right, it's, that's exactly right, yeah. Language also a tool well, to yeah, investigate. Yeah, uh, no, that's a beautiful question. Uh, mathematics is a combination of applied and pure. So applied is the tool and uh, and pure is the alphabet we use to, do, to create so that we can even, you know, form the, the language tool in the first place. Um, the biggest difference yeah. between the book and mathematics, number one, I don't believe in mathematics. The idea of belief is nonsensical uh, to, to my mind. Um, what happens in mathematics is that people make a conjecture, which is they think something could be true, and they also think of exactly what Love Moko was saying, a way that it can be falsified. And if it is falsified, then it's falsified. The difference is with the book is that it can never be falsified, even though it's obviously falsified literally, then it becomes, oh no, that's not how it's meant to be read, it's meant to be read another certain way. Um, and for that reason, uh, that makes complete sense as to why one particular book um, can uh, bring forth so many different denominations, um, most of whom think everyone else who interprets the same book is interpreting it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah, and that to me is like um, hugely problematic. Yes, it is problematic. But but the question is, see, you you were saying that, you know, you think that with Ken Han that if you gave him enough evidence, he could change his mind. And I, mm. I would say I disagree with that completely. <laughs> I would say I disagree with that completely. He said his mind is nothing that could. Um, um, I, I don't know. I think yeah. even Ken Ham would have to um, would have to. Yeah, but because his belief is unfalsifiable, and that. But do you think he understands falsifiability? Like, I, he I think, understands it. I'm not trying to be uh, like... No, no. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what he understands, but 
uh, it seems to me that if it's not in the book, he's going to say that was something invented by the devil or, uh, you know, this is we're relying on the human mind, not on God's mind. Um, mm. And uh, So there would always be like a shifting of the goalposts. And like, it's always a shifting of the goalposts. And it doesn't just happen with religion. I see it happen with politics. And you'll see, for example, that sure. no matter what Trump does, the radical left will say, I told you he was racist the whole time. And the radical right will say... Well, the radical right would say the same thing, but the, you know, the regular Trump supporter might say, "No, you're misinterpreting his his views," and that's not even religion. And and yet, with an overwhelming amount of evidence, you have geniuses like Peter Thiel who still support Trump, and then you have people like Sam Harris who would rather, who's openly said he'd rather vote for Hillary Clinton on life support um, than for Trump himself. And I just think to myself, well, with this overwhelming amount of evidence, it seems it seems to me that the more complex an issue is, the more humans revert to their natural temperament and bias and form a conclusion based upon that as opposed to the, the evidence. I would love for you to be correct and I, and I hope that you're correct. I just don't see it so far. And uh, if you can tell me where, mate, I am, I am in. <laughs> I just think this is the, like the most fun way. I'm talking about street epistemology now. Just the yeah. the most fun way to even attempt to kind of um, enlighten people about how they have arrived at the beliefs they have, because I think so many um, might not have um, reflected on it and of no fault of their own just that we I don't think really have it's it's been so at least when I was a kid it was like you don't talk about religion like that yeah. it's, it's a subject that you um, set aside and it's always like well when you come home for for a family dinner you don't talk religion you don't talk politics you don't talk about these things um, um, and uh, I think that kind of stagnates so I'm asking, like, why is that? And these are sometimes the most um, important things that really influence how and why we do things in the world and, and what we think other people's people should do. Yeah. Um, and so I think those are the crucial things for us to think of and talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Ruby, Ruby says she loves you and it's a great scope. And Alan said the same thing. Oh, cool. And I think, yeah, it's such, oh, it's so refreshing to have such a polite, articulate human being. My God, it gives me hope for the world. Um, <laughs> uh, Ginny Lee said, uh, daily blessings are proof of God. I would say daily curses um, would have to be factored into daily blessings um, before one makes that uh, assumption. Uh, that's just my response. I'm not saying that's correct, of course. Um, Boss Briggs wanted to know if you could provide an example of street epistemology. Um, well, I think uh, the thing with um, street epistemology is also that it's kind of um, a, a slow method. It's, uh, it takes quite a bit of patience. Um, so for us to do it right here, right now, um, it would probably be quite slow, quite unentertaining. And also I think that our, um, we think pretty much the same. And I think it's actually quite a scary prospect to do SE on Gab. <laughs> Just because... Um, why? Why do I think that's scary? Uh, well, I think we think so alike, and uh, I don't know. Should we try? 
Now, when I started thinking about it, it was like, sure. Do you have a belief, um, Gab? You would like to investigate? Uh, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see really good SC by people who have done it a longer time, go on YouTube and look up uh, Anthony Magnabosco is probably one of the best. Sorry, I stumbled on that. Anthony Magnabosco. Yeah, just tweet it. He's to, been doing uh, it for over five years, and yeah. he's got really good examples on YouTube. Anthony, Mac- yep. So. Guys, don't worry about it. Um, pick a pick a fake person. <laughs> um, yeah, you can you can tweet it to to an artist later, and then everyone can see your your Twitter handle and and then that guy's name, Anthony Magnabosco. Um, okay, which is cool. I'll do that. Uh, and also, I encourage anybody who thought that this sounded like fun and an interesting way to um, engage with other people and to think about um, deeply held beliefs and maybe challenge their own deeply held beliefs. Uh, then I encourage everybody to kind of uh, look into SC and also to learn SC and maybe try it. Like you don't have to do it doing like videos like Anthony does or on a YouTube channel like I do. You can just do it with your friends really organically, uh, strike up conversations with um, the type of questioning that is done in SC. And it's, it's um, for me, it has been like a really cool um, uh, um, um asset to my life where I feel I'm a better person because of it and I have better conversations with people that I love that um, view the world differently from how I do and I think that's the, the best thing. I remember that you were disagreeing with me on my scope when I uh, was suggesting that it wasn't Islam that was occupying Europe increasingly it was the fact that Europe itself lost its uh, you know, meaning for its own existence. And so any stronger belief system that exists outside would naturally, you know, flow in and become much more dominant. Um, what are your thoughts on that? This is street epistemology, guys, in action. <laughs> uh, I can't remember that I disagreed on that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, there was a lag. You said, like, what it was specifically I, I uh, disagreed upon. Um, I think I was disagreeing on how you spoke about atheism and it being... I can't actually remember anymore, I'm sorry. I could go look back on it. If I look at it again, I know I will know what it was about. But uh, it was saying about the use of the term, the label atheism that I disagreed with. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, well, uh, I was saying... By the way, everyone who's listening... Um, the person who openly admits that they don't know certain things to me is the one who I hold in the highest esteem in general. Not everyone might think that way. I don't know. I remember I said, I don't know to a lady once and she, she said, oh, uh, she really looked down on me after that, which was interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I was saying that atheism is, is lack of content. It's not an actual dogma. It's, it's the lack of a belief system itself. And you can fill that with other things that sometimes religionists conflate with atheism, such as Stalinism uh, and, uh, and Trotskyism and oh, yes. Maoism. Yeah. Okay, I think I disagreed with the fact, the thing that you can fill it with something. I just think by definition you can't really fill it with anything, that it's only, it's purely a response to the existence of theism. Yep. Okay. How I think of it. But yep. I guess it's just the semantics at that point. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's good. Well, I'm glad we can clarify. What What would be your definition of atheism as you understand it? Uh, I look at it as a um, label for uh, somebody who uh, does not believe in a god. Okay. Yeah. Who has no belief. Um, and it d- doesn't really exist without there being theists to 
who um yeah because, because atheists don't create the notion of a god yeah uh, theists yeah. create the notion of a god yeah and so atheists are just saying but i believe what you're proposing um so therefore i believe if we did not have a uh, theists there would be no atheists this is also commonly commented on by uh, believers that say atheists are so silly because they um like sometimes like they don't like how can they not believe or in this thing that they don't believe and that's the whole thing it's just that i don't i'm not accepting what you're proposing yeah that's and, right um, some people can sorry keep going yeah. if the god hypothesis would be kind of like a thing of like uh because i can't say for sure that there absolutely is no god yeah um, that's so where the religionist comes in and thinks so to the problem is that i just don't know and i think that also makes me an atheist because there are theists who claim that they know they yeah. have the knowledge of that yeah yeah um, yeah well i i think a lot of times a lot of people you know miscategorize atheism as being anti-theistic in the sense that the belief is that there is no god and that's not what atheism is at all um what people define as agnosticism is is what uh, actually someone wanted to ask you what is the difference in your mind between atheism and agnosticism i i understood that they talk about different things that atheism is about um belief so what i believe about this good proposition and then uh, uh agnosticism agnosticism is what i know what i claim to know yeah so i would also say i'm an agnostic atheist as yeah. I don't have knowledge about this and I think also the the atheist uh, label for me uh, comes about the the moment I say that I don't know whether a god exists or not that kind of like makes me an atheist even though yeah. that points to what I believe what a lack belief in yeah I wanted to add to that that does that you, makes sense uh Ginny does that make sense she said that she'll pray for you anyway which I think is very sweet Um and oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to add to that that I would say there's a difference between being a deist and a theist. And a deist, you know, you one cannot rule out the idea of a prime mover in the sense that, you know, maybe someone kicked off whatever it is that started, even though there's no evidence for that. But the theist is you know, one step further. That is where you know a specific god, you know its mind and you know exactly what it wants for you. and only if everyone were to make you know the correct propitiations then of course they would be accepted into some sort of uh, oh. divine uh, you know eternal club i've also heard it explained like in a slightly different way that all deists are theists but all theists aren't deists kind of thing that yes. you're a theist at the moment you believe in a um, supreme being kind of thing in a god and then they're like sub um Thingies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a deist would be someone who thinks it's not personal that it's a the kickoff thing. Yeah. Was that right? I guess it depends oh, on how you see it. it in your mind. Yeah. No, this is great. I'm, yeah, I, I don't. Words. Uh, that's so awesome. Now, um, did you have any intention of how you wanted this to go? I'm really sorry. I feel like it's like everyone um, here and me asking not questions. Really, I was like, oh, let's just go on and let's see what happens. And, uh, I really enjoy your scope, so I was like, really um, uh, glad to to come and do a, a conversation. 
uh, then I just thought that the only thing that I thought that would kind of like, um, uh, you know, touch on what I've understood to be our uh, common interests would be street epistemology. Yep. Because you're like, I don't have an, a full education from anything or, you know, I'm, I'm not really anybody <laughs> with any... Oh, don't be silly. Uh, I would not have picked that at all. And, uh, you know, I, that, that's actually a funny point too because some people think that if someone has a degree that they're smart and I'm like, well, no, you can be smart and not get a degree or you could be smart and have gotten a degree. Sometimes you can be a dumbass and yeah. paid enough money to get a degree too. <laughs> so don't, Yeah, I actually do agree with that, but I also feel like, uh, I don't know. It's harder for human beings in general to to uh you know to to actually categorize people without deferring which was the word i couldn't think of in my last scope deferring to an institution which officially recognizes you as intelligent and that's where university comes in because you can tell people hey i'm doing a postgraduate in quantum mechanics and then oh wow he's smart so you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of trying to prove uh basically getting to know someone so that they know you well enough to know that holy crap yeah you are actually quite an amazing thinker which which uh, I, I find you to be that was to me that was obvious from the first few scopes because of the way you asked certain questions um, but you're right that, oh, that cool. yeah well, that's nice I was not recording I'm sorry I was not recording that question for everyone on the podcast I have to annoy Love Moco and everyone here on Periscope by asking the same question do you believe Love Moco that if someone had the mm-hmm. same facts as you that they would inevitably arrive at the same conclusion? Uh, I think that's a super interesting question and I think that there would be possibly that might be true if the other kind of faculties and things that um, factor in when people come to conclusions uh, are at play. Like I said, like where I'm born, uh, my genes my kind of brain yeah. how much alcohol I've had in my life that has <laughs> you know dumped down certain parts of my brain and, yeah. and whatever things that have affected me um, to draw certain conclusions from certain facts so I would say oh, I don't know again but uh, I think it could be possible uh, but I think the other things that factor in than just having like what we consider to be facts yep okay uh, what things in in your mind would you say uh, are separate to facts apart from you mentioned genetics you mentioned lifestyle yeah 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 absolutely i, I would yeah, i would agree with that. that i'd say temperament all of that is so see um, mm. there's a difference because you were talking about we have five senses i uh, i would say that there's a difference between what there is to observe and the method via which we observe it and when I say the method, I mean that people's temperaments can grossly affect, uh, in my mind at least, how one interprets the same information coming through the same five senses. What was the thing that could affect it? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Just thinking. That's all right. No, no, it's probably cut oh, out. The, just it? Yeah, the I would say that the temp, people's temperaments uh, can grossly affect uh, the way that they're processing the same information coming into their right, into yeah. their brain via the same senses. Sure. I totally agree on that, yeah. 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 And, and also I think it, it's, uh, I, I probably, this is me like just um, 
thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't have this information as any type of uh, fact, but I'm jumping. I'm immediately thinking just about that. That those temperaments uh, would have, uh, like, they have evolutionary kind of um, um, a, a trail. Like, yeah. like that some people, when like if you have a certain trait in yes. your brain, a certain temperament to, to understand information a certain way, that that will make you do things in a certain way, come to certain conclusions that are then beneficial or have been beneficial for yeah. your ancestors. Yeah. Um, all of this, all of this negates free will for everyone listening. And paint something says she loves you. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> so, how do you solve the problem then, Gab? Of how to, or does this affect then how I should um, uh, kind of like view the meaning of me having an attitude towards my life and how I do things? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I would say or that you know. The, sorry, I cut you off again. I'm so sorry. No, 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 just please continue. I was, I was going, I was going to repeat the same thing, I think. Oh, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see any evidence for you choosing to have an open mind as you do. I would attribute much more of it, if not all of it, if possible, uh, to everything that preceded your existence and your genetics, your environment. Uh, I would say we live in a universe of causality. And so we can trace every single thing back to uh, what caused the uh, the consequence so the action and consequence are intertwined and so they're linked all the way back to inception of the universe um, I don't know obviously I don't know if that's true but I just don't see any other way that that you know how could you randomly decide that you want to be open-minded and someone else doesn't this has bothered me for a very young age and I love your kitty too yeah, Sylvia wanted to obviously come and say something. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. And I think I kind of like um, agree, like I believe something similar to that so far. But then I'm like wondering, because I feel like if I prompt myself to want to, I don't know, be more say next week like really like localized kind of like affecting my everyday life with how I think or my attitude yeah how much weight should I put on that yeah if I'm still gonna do whatever do you know what I mean there I'm yeah not expressing I my question too well maybe I haven't formed it too clearly in my own mind uh, no, no, that's the, this is the beauty, everyone who's listening, of talking. Um, I think talking is what clarifies what is in our mind, uh, which is circling around like a random hurricane. <laughs> and, and speaking it refines it, absolutely. And, I, you know, um, I think Periscope helped me a lot with that. Uh, and, and this conversation helps once again. So... Oh, man. Um, so that's why... Uh, you know, some people might say, for example, that ISIS chooses to be animals or so psychopaths or anything. I don't see evidence for that en masse, um, especially after living in the Middle East where God is as real as um, water, basically, in the Middle East. On every street corner, you're going to see something relating to some sort of religious event for one particular type of religion and if you don't act in the same way then you are not accepted in that community um, 
but but without getting too broad, ISIS, as well as other people who are say 100% convinced of a certain ideology, uh, are not into negotiation. They absolutely believe, and I've read some uh, two of their magazines. I actually read read them live on Periscope. They had a monthly magazine, and I read some of that. Um, actually, I read one of them was where they announced that they would be actually performing an attack on Egypt, on the Egypt Coptics, and that the week later that actually happened. So they're they're not holding back their actual beliefs, and it seems to me that how does one negotiate with that? Besides, at the moment, what's happening in the Middle East, which is that you'll get a dictator who tries to shut off that section so that everyone else can breathe. How would you find a way to have a discussion with them? Is there free will there? Is there any evidence that could sway them? Such a huge, wonderful question. Um, Yeah. Well, first of all, I would have to say that I would need to like go on a super research of what the situation is, what people really believe, how that kind of um, social structure works, how the dominance works, how the yeah, yeah. law works and all that. And after that huge um, research uh, session, I guess... Uh, you know, given that I could sit down and talk with people who are in position of influence, um, uh, well, I guess I see I am expressing something akin to, well, we'll sit and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, and that and, to me is exactly. And would they listen to me as a woman? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so maybe on it. So I don't know if even I would get that far. That seems like kind of a big fantasy idea I've got going there. Um, so I'm thinking again. It's about um, education for everybody. Education, children, women. Wait for the generations to move. Education, new ideas. Uh, ooh, Mr. Schmitzer said a good thing. He said their their logic. Yeah. You tried to tweet me. Ah, oh, tweet me again, my dear, uh, Michelle Lemmy. Uh, Mr. Schmitzer said that uh, if you follow logic based upon their initial assumptions or their premise, you'll come to the same conclusion um i have read uh, you know quite a few of their texts as well as the quran of course in in arabic that they uh, you know claim to ascribe to and um i don't see them following logic at a fundamental level in certain topics what i would see is they do criticize christianity quite well but then what they do is they use the same reasons that American Christians use for the existence of God to prove their God. And it's a very similar style of unfalsifiable um, thinking. And, and, and if I am right, I hope I'm not, but if I am, it scares me that Europe is not focusing on that enough. It's not enough of a topic. That does concern me because it allows, let's say, religious right in Europe to then think that the problem is the whole religion as opposed to one specific subsect uh, or one specific sub-ideology. And so it furthers the division between then native Europeans uh, who will then fight amongst themselves between whether or not you know demographic shifts are reasonable etc. 
Yeah, it's interesting how that happens. Concrete. Wow. Uh, tweet that to me, Mr. Schmitzo, Peter Hitchens. I've probably heard it. I've listened to almost everything Peter Hitchens has ever said um, in public. Yeah, that, that does concern me. I wanted to ask you, actually, you were saying that Nordic, you, I think you were saying that there was a difference between Nordic countries uh, and Europe in terms of culture. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You'll have to teach. I, have, I know almost nothing about Nordic cultures except that they seem to be the happiest places to live. <laughs> mm. Oh. I guess what I was thinking about is that, uh, yeah, we have this thing called the the Nordic Ministries, um, and there is a lot of like Nordic um, uh, cooperation being done between the nations. Um, okay. Uh, where, yeah, it's funny because uh, there's still like I mean, Finland has a, a state church. I think Norway just did away with theirs. Uh, cool. I'm not sure about Iceland anymore, but still, I've, I've um, understood that there is a lot of contemplating uh, being done um, in the governments um, of all the Nordic countries that has to do with value systems and how we want um, our values to be reflected in our society, um, and that one of the big value uh, things is, of course, equality, men, women, um, all people. Uh, I mean, the whole concept of the welfare state comes from, like, if you can't know where you're going to wind up in your society or where you're going to be born, yeah. it has to be good for everybody. Um, yeah. And that it is the, the responsibility of everyone in society to take care of everybody in society and yep. make it work, which is also, I mean, criticised in the Nordic country because it makes for a quite um, a slow... Like, there's um, things progress slowly but surely <laughs> so there's um, so instead of these like quick spurts of um, um, and progress in a certain area economics e- econo- economy um, are hindered by this kind of system that we have mm-hmm. I'm talking in quite broad terms and I'm not an e- economist so I don't really want to say too much but what I've understood for example compared to the American um, style it's like our, our um, like on a when you look back quite far, our economy will, will you know, grow slowly. And uh, the American is designed to kind of go really fast. Yeah, but at, at um, the price of poverty, is, is that what uh, I understand there? Or? I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, like they're rising faster, but that, that is at the price of not all their citizens uh, living above the poverty line? Or, or some of them having a lower standard of living that, that they... Whereas in you know in the Nordic countries maybe the, the safety net allows maybe slower economic growth but uh, but a better yeah. average lifestyle some something like that and um, okay. fact check everybody because I'm probably getting half of this wrong but what I've understood is when with the American system it's like there are these spikes of like um, great economic growth and then like crashes and spikes and crashes and it's kind of designed that way yep. um, and also this, this disparity between um, uh, rich and poor becomes quite or increases all the time due to this system uh, the, the Nordic systems uh, take into account kind of like a slow growth where we try to minimize the, the disparity between rich and poor yep. uh, by heavy taxation on the rich um, or those who, who make more money um, Mr. Schmitz would like that. <laughs> but anyway, I, and I think that's very unique when you look at Europe. It's um, 
it's kind of unique the way the Nordic countries uh, handle uh, their politics and probably other countries that do that a lot too huh. yes all countries want to improve their way of doing things but um well uh, um, mr schmitzer oh, actually sorry oh. hey uh, i hope that i'm not keeping you from your lunch or anything like that um no but i could uh, begin to wrap it up because i know i'm getting a bit fuzzing in my mind i'm good oh. for like an hour or something yeah. of thinking and talking and then i kind of go yeah, I don't know what I was talking about just there. But look into the Nordic ministries and the Nordic way of life. There, are, I think there are good, there's good stuff there that can be um, maybe looked at by the rest of the world, just as the Nordic countries can also learn um, marvelous things from other places in the world. And it's kind of great that we've got different societies that are doing different things with different approaches, because maybe then on a global scale, when we look at it, we can we can learn um, vastly different things that maybe then when combined or used together could then put us even further oh that's beautiful than if everybody did everything the same way kind of like science <laughs> um i uh I, there were there were other questions which we won't have time for um things like what's the definition uh-huh. of good and wholesome that you mentioned earlier but we can always look at them some other time uh once once your brain recharges oh, in the future give me that question i got really <laughs> curious about oh. <laughs> what was it um, what you were mentioning uh, that the focus in Finland can be in your mind, you know, about what is good and wholesome for the society. Um, yeah. Do you or do does the society itself have a definition of what is good and what is wholesome? Um, I think that's constantly kind of revised because yeah. we were actually quite late with um, uh, equality, like marriage equality. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the the uh, church kind of kept their um, their influence on that. But um, I mean, that's just one example of where it is um, uh, revisited. And uh, you know, we know now we know too much to say that um, marriage inequality would be um, good for everybody in our society. Because we now know and understand uh, that uh, homosexuality is um, alive and well, and uh, um, uh, and also isn't anything that requires a moral judgment to it. Yep. It's not a moral question. Yep. Uh, so then, the the moral question is: um, uh, Should all people have the right to marry whoever they want to when it's consented an adult yep. and all that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these are, after all when we look at just um, from oh, the state perspective, it's just two people making a contract between each other yep. of how to um, um, kind of secure each other's economic, I guess, and kind of rights with each other and yep. stuff like that. I mean, for myself, I always thought that the, the main point with me getting married to my husband was just that I wanted all the rights that I could have and that he could have the same if something happened to either of us like in a hospital or something that we're considered family that we um that we have uh, immediate kind of uh, like a family that was the whole idea well i love family oh, now i'm going off again <laughs> no that's we could go on for ages honestly um the last question is uh, mr smitzer would like to know is it cold in finland today 
cold? No, it's like 20, I think it's about 20 degrees, maybe plus in the sun, and that's like hot if we... Oh, know, wow, that's about 70 degrees Fahrenheit, guys. It's steaming hot. Oh, but could I just add to the whole wholesome thing? Because I started by saying that actually we were really late with the, the, the marriage equality. But what I kind of like mean is that the Finnish or the Nordic countries do revise these things constantly. I think the, the whole marriage equality thing was something that um, was inconvenient to, to look at. But there are other things that are considered to be um, important always, and it has a lot to do with education and children and equality and these things that are constantly being like revised, looked at again with, um, uh, uh, you know, with more, um, um, what's the word? We just have more experience, more knowledge, more scientific data to back up how how children are actually happy and wholesome and live well. Like we kind of thought that something was the case in the 70s, and then we learnt more in the 80s and 90s, and we yep. tried different things, and then changes. And we, the the idea is always to look forward and look for a better way of doing things, and a better way of learning, a better way of integrating, a better way of, yep. of living life. And, so, and that'll come it's not to not that these things have been decided upon at one time and they will never change. I yeah. think that's the thing with the Nordic countries. It's yes. progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that would be that would be deontology in Immanuel Kant's position, but that's a whole other topic. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I, and I just want to put a little disclaimer that these are again these are my opinions, and I. Um, have not researched the Nordic countries versus other societies. These are like stuff that I pick up and opinions that I have. So take it with a grain of finish. Mm. Someone says, uh, give children chocolate. That'll make them happy. That was Schmitzer. <laughs> um, well, uh, guys, uh, love Mako. Don't forget to tune into her. She is uh, super curious on YouTube. To be continued, absolutely, as long as uh, Love Moko, uh, whenever she's ready. Um, I, I, you, I Actually, it was this was an easy... I love having my other guests, but um, you're very easy to talk to, I think. you. Uh, you, you it's very obvious that you're non-judgmental and you just say what you think and you have no intention of forcing that opinion on anyone. It's such a pleasure. If the world was like that, seriously, we would not have any, almost any problems, I can imagine. <laughs> and everyone's saying <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, thank you. And I love being here, and it was really nice talking to you. Oh, it was awesome. Um, do you want to give a shout-out to people <laughs> on your addresses and where they can find you and uh, and for our podcast uh, channel and stuff? Um, I guess I did my shout-outs to Anthony Magnabosco. If you're interested in street epistemology, he is a great resource to look at because he's been, he's been doing it for five years, and he's got great examples of it. Also, I just would like to put in there that street epistemology looks different. It's got different styles. People are experimenting and doing different things. Um, so, you know, look around, have a look-see and take what you like from it. And that's all I would like to say about that. Well, everyone, you can. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send this podcast, the audio podcast, to patreon.com forward slash gabsmacked, G-A-B-S-M-A-C-K-E-D. It'll also be on Twitter and Autist, A-N-A-U-T-I-S-T. And uh, Linda will, will shoot through her address to our Twitter too, and I'll retweet it. And it's also going to go to Real Gabsmacked on Instagram. It'll go there as well. And then also on my YouTube and your YouTube. 
super curious. And cool, yeah. I'm probably do an editing thing because uh, I just recorded this. Oh um, yeah, you do. I'll your... probably edit it because my thinking with the periscope and everything, it could be um, difficult to follow. Yeah. Uh, from my YouTube, but <laughs> I'll edit it and put it up. That's and so good. Let you know when that happens. Oh, and I'm also doing on Super Curious. I'm going to do a um, a kind of like a um, fun learning SE series. Because I had this great um, conversation with uh, uh, a scientist called uh, Dr. Tyrone Wells, who is now a new uh, brand spanking new um, street epistemologist, and we had like so Ooh. much fun. And I thought I would make like ten-minute videos about that. That so sounds awesome! Oh, absolutely, I look forward to seeing that. Oh, very cool. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was an honor. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to more talks in the future. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Gab. And have a really nice day. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you too. <laughs> bye bye. All the best. <laughs> Conclusion. All right. We're back on our podcast again after our break. Uh, pleasure to have you guys, Ruby and Ginger, Mr. Schmitzer and Liran. I'm sorry I couldn't answer. I, I'm sure I missed a couple of questions. I think I missed one from Liran, one from Schmitzer. Sorry about that. Um, I was just scrambling out notes, as you can see, as we, as we were talking. And I'm doing the podcast and Periscope and the YouTube. So that was fun. And I exercised and I burnt 300 calories during that interview, which is great because that, my friends, is a steak right there. I just burned myself a steak whilst learning information. Unitedverse is a giant washing machine. I would say something like that. <laughs> the Unitedverse. Yeah, I thought you meant Universe. I prefer Unitedverse. You were great, many thanks. You guys make it great. It was an honor to spend time with um, Linda Mocker. I, as growing up with autism, I spent time with almost no one. And I have to say, the last year I've spent more time with more people <laughs> than people in my whole life. And that keeps happening with each year that passes. So uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And... Um, all of these observations that I come up with, was she autistic? Oh, no. No, not at all. I would say extremely unlikely. Yeah, it was great. Your questions were great. Everything was great. I wanted to get into a lot more of the questions, yeah, multitasking. But um, it seems to me that uh, uh, I, I might have, I or we might have bombarded <laughs> Love Mocha maybe a bit much for now. T-Bone? Oh, yeah. T-Bone. <laughs> Before you went to sleep, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so there, there was a lot more that, you know, the, the argument was, um, it was a huge amount of things that we needed to fill in. We basically almost did half of the groundwork of a foundation of one house. That was pretty much it. We, we didn't define what is good, what is wholesome, what is, how can we be confident on what is good. Uh, if we are revising, why do we revise? Is morality subjective or relative? Or is it that we are discovering morality which has always been absolute? The time is well spent with quality humans. Ooh, I love that one, Captain Ginger. Um, free will. Uh, the We didn't get into that topic as much. Dogma. Uh, we didn't talk about that and its conflation with ideology. I would say that ideology and religion are overlapping magisteria to programming because religion also includes tradition, culture, and spirituality. And those things are actually something that helps a society or has helped a society maintain a level of cohesion and oh I have a hair in my tongue I hate when that happens 
US versus the Nordic countries economic systems yet. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Could it be possible? Is it because of the Nordic people and their temperament and their genetics and their culture, which can afford a successful, more socialistic uh, environment, which obviously I see as ideal, but of course it, it is, seems quite obvious that that would never work in America uh, for, for a number of reasons. Uh, or is it that people haven't been educated? I really wanted to ask her, if you take a radical ISIS person when they were a child and raised them in Finland, would they become as Finnish as anyone else? That I would love to know her thoughts on that one. Um, I do think wanted immigrants from Norway. <laughs> why can't we get people from Norway? Why are we? That's like you know. That's like the guy who's like, why are my girlfriends always, you know, treating me badly? Why can't I get a good girlfriend? You know, someone from Norway. <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. Uh, anyway, you got to laugh at life. Interesting stuff. Uh, anyway, does anyone else anyone else have any comments? Otherwise, also ISIS is an economic thing as well. They actually in militants, right? Yeah. You would say yes. So you would say yes. I would say maybe. <laughs> as in pay wage. Well, you know what? What's what's funny? I think it was which country was it? Uh, I think it was Switzerland or Sweden, it might have been Sweden, where gender equality was enforced to the point that uh, meant the, the gap between choices between men and women for uh, their uh, careers is actually wider than in countries where uh, equality is actually less, like Bangladesh. It's like a drug dealers in Harlem, it's the only job available. I would say that's part of it. Hilarious, it just detached something, um, detached a cynical comment. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I know you, brother. That's fine, but yeah, for everyone else, you also have to laugh at yourself. It makes life wonderful, absolutely. You have to. You can, if you take life too seriously, we know what we know the consequence of that. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to end this podcast. I'll stay with you guys for a few minutes. The war on drugs ignored the economic issues facing the underclass, absolutely. And we know about how rats can get addicted to heroin depending on the environment that is set up for them by the scientists and that actually completely can determine uh, well at least you know to a huge uh, covariant factor uh, you know whether the rat becomes addicted to the drug or not um, all awesome topics i'm going to say goodbye to everyone on our podcast and this podcast is also available on google play and apple itunes of course scrolling comments ah uh, they eat it till they die yeah that's right uh, better not to become from the younger the better not to become what they came from if the child are oh, good yeah good to have you my friend always all right guys on our podcast lovely to see you until next time don't forget to take life one smack at a time 